Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glicksman with my tag team partner, Mr. Glasses Half Full, Matt Story. That's right. Um, it's a big game. Big game for the Sun Devils. It's blackout game. Yeah. And the end zones are painted. The pitchfork at midfield is That's right. That's right. Out. And Sparty is coming to town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think uh, we talked about this preseason. Probably safe to say, best, uh, biggest non-conference home game, at least, since, what, 2014? Yeah. When Notre Dame was here. Um, and that, of course, came at a weird time of year, you know, because it got moved in November. Um, so, you know, for an, for an early season non-conference game, uh, I think got to go back to LSU, right? Home game, um, you know, this kind of Maybe, fanfare. And, yeah, LSU, Iowa, those are the, those yeah, are the big ones were, I remember. Yeah, which were, what, our freshman and sophomore years. Yeah, mm-hmm. Iowa came in here, and then LSU was obviously unexpected, not not supposed to be here, but ended up being here because of the hurricane. But, um, yeah, I mean, a, a, a big feel to it. Um, it's not LSU and it's not Notre Dame, but it's a, you know, it's a top 15 program, a program that, you know, has been to the college football playoff. Not too many programs across the country can say that, and they, they can. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be a fun atmosphere. I'm going to add one that we left out, Georgia. Georgia was a big Georgia, one. you're right. Georgia 08. Yep, yep, you're right. Oh, you're right. That's that's probably uh, for September early season. Yeah, that that one was uh, that one was as big, if not bigger, than LSU just because of the the hype and they were preseason number one and all of that. But uh, but yeah, you know, you don't get games like this every year. That's the point. Um, you know that we can only think of maybe four or five since we started school here at home, and we played some you know some good ones away from home like A and M a few years ago. But, uh, you know, to get it at home is, is a pretty cool thing. We go there next year, obviously. But, um, you know, looking forward to it. Going be, gonna to be a fun atmosphere there. The Spartans are 1-0 following a 38-31 victory at home over Utah State. Last year under Mark D'Antonio, they were 10-3. and The win dropped them in the polls to number 15 in the country. Yeah. But they're still ranked, and they're still a five-and-a-half-point favorite as of our recording over the Sun Devils. Yeah. Michigan State, uh, Matt, pro-style team, Brian Lewerke, the quarterback returning to the Valley of the Sun. He played at yep. Pinnacle. And yep. Uh, yep. last year, almost 2,800 yards through 20 touchdowns. And in their opener, he was 23 of 33 for 287, two TDs and a pick. Yeah, yeah, looks like another in a line of, of uh, very solid Michigan State quarterbacks. You know, D'Antonio has been there for over a decade now and, He's had, you know, Kirk Cousins, Brian Hoyer, uh, Drew Stanton at the start of his time there, I believe. Um, uh, you know, Connor Cook, obviously. You know, they had they had one year in 2016 where they really struggled to find quarterback play and, and everything else fell apart too. But got back on the horse, as you said, 10, 10 wins last year, another good season. And, um, you know, their program that just year in, year out is pretty darn good. Again, with that one blip in 2016. Um, you expect them to be pretty good, you know, there at the end, probably in the top 15 or 20, if not better, by the end of the season. So it'll it'll be a really good test, obviously, to see where this team is at. They are a balanced team. Senior running back LJ Scott was two yards shy of 900 last year. Uh, picked up 84 more yards against Utah State yeah. last week. I think this is going to be a really big test for the 3-3-5. It will. It will, definitely, yeah. Yeah, I mean um, – you know, Michigan State, as much as I say their quarterback play, they've had good quarterbacks, and they have. 
they always kind of, you know, are a run-first team. They're, they're a more traditional Big Ten type of team. They run the ball. They play good defense. Um, you they know, a big little, offensive line. Exactly, yeah. They're, they're kind of Stanford-esque. You know, we'll, we'll play a team similar to them, obviously, you know, mid-October when we play Stanford. Little differences, obviously. They're not exactly the same, but a similar type of feel. They, they don't do a lot of things wrong. They run it. They play defense. They ask their quarterback to, you know, be a solid game manager type not gonna not gonna throw it sixty times, you know. I will, we're gonna face some offenses that will test our secondary. This probably won't be one tremendously, but you know, a good quarterback with a good passing game that can, you know, could be a game that if we're not sharp, could beat us up in twenty five pass attempts. You know, probably won't throw it, you know, fifty times for four hundred yards. But it's the big plays that obviously has always been such a concern the last few years, and that's what you want to avoid this week. In my notes, I have this will be a test for the new three-three-five defense because the Spartans are a disciplined team and they'll exploit yeah. missed assignments and blown coverages. I, I just, <laughs> it, it's basically exactly what you said. It's the same thing as with Stanford. You know, yeah. it, it, they're prepared to take what you will give them. And yeah. if you slip and fall or if you bite hard on a play action, they'll take a shot over the top. Yeah, that. yeah, for sure. You know, I mean, uh, you mentioned Lewerke's numbers last week, and he's he's a good quarterback and has some running ability that, um, you know, some of those Michigan State quarterbacks, they you know, they've not been a running quarterback type of team. Most of those guys I listed were, you know, passers who could maybe move around a little. This guy can run. They'll call some runs for him. Uh, you know, he's, he brings a little different element. Um, so that, that's another wrinkle that, you know, we'll have to be sharp against is the, is the, the called runs and the scrambles, you know, the plays where you get pressure and guy gets away and gets, you know, 15 yards. Those are, those are backbreakers. And, uh, you know, you, you want to limit those as much as possible. Last week he had one scramble where he escaped and picked up 27 yards, which was, yeah. a, you know, those are the kind of plays that can be backbreaking for a defense if, as we've been on the other side of it. If you right. hold the guy and the quarterback somehow scrambles and picks up a first down or more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, those are, you know, those are the ones that uh, can make or break a game, especially when you're trying to pull an upset. And we are, you know, I mean, you mentioned it for the underdog. Um, I don't think a huge, you know, overwhelming underdog point spread wouldn't indicate that and i don't feel that way but you know this is a top 15 team and we're on rank so it's trying to pull an upset and yeah it's those type of plays that you know the broken plays things like that that you want to uh limit as much as possible and not not let those get away from you on the flip side part of what you were talking about earlier the style that michigan state plays they are balanced offensively and they can do that because their defense keeps them in games right um you know last week they gave up 31 points but they only allowed 25 yards rushing and yeah 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 that was a it was an unusual game i mean yeah they they uh yeah i mean it's it's very surprising you know especially with utah state which is you know, a, a pretty good running team over the years. Obviously did not have a lot of success doing it last week, but still was able to put up a lot of points and nearly pull off an upset. It took 11 points in the fourth quarter uh, for Michigan State to pull off the win. They were trailing going into the fourth. Uh, 24, oh no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I'm reading were, that wrong. They were up by three, weren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, going into the fourth, Wound up pulling away, winning by seven, and uh, 
you know, not a clean game by any stretch of the imagination. No, it was not. No, I mean, and, and Lewerke made a made a mistake, although his receiver fell down. But you know, they had kind of got some separation in the in the third quarter, and they were up, I think, twenty seven seventeen. And he threw a pick that got returned for a score, and it just it changed the dynamic of the game. And uh, you know, all of a sudden, you know, they had just allowed a field goal on the previous drive, and so you know, Utah State I think scored ten points in less than a minute. Um, and you know, obviously, it, it was tight, and they they lost the lead there late in the fourth quarter, um, down by one, and then they put together a drive, and you know, that's that's what good teams do. Uh, Penn State did the same thing when they when they had to come through, they did. Um, but yeah, they certainly showed some vulnerability. And hopefully some things that we can exploit. One thing as a fan that I would keep my eye on is Scott is the workhorse back there. But Connor Hayward, a sophomore from Georgia, had five carries for 42 yards, both touchdown runs for the Spartans last week. And he could be a problem if he gets loose. Probably so, yeah. I mean, they, they seem to always have a next guy. I mean, L.J. Scott's been there for a long time. Feels like he's, he's a been, senior. He's been in college for what feels like 10 years. But, uh, yeah, you know, he's obviously finally a senior, and so so they've got to have a next guy in line, and this guy's probably it. Um, they, they seem to, you know, that's, that's the hallmark of a really good program and what they've done is you can go through the quarterbacks, you can go through the running backs, and you can say, well, you know, one guy leaves, there's always a next one up that's pretty good. And that's there's a reason that they've been pretty good for the last, you know, decade plus, because they can say that. You know, you, you chart, chart the progression, and there's not a lot of uh, lulls in, in the production there. Yeah, last year Hayward got the Traylon Smith treatment. He only had three carries all season. Um, he did have a he did have four catches, including one that went for a score. But you know that they've made it clear based on that first game that he's going to be the next one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. obviously Scott had twenty three carries to Hayward's five. Lewerke wound sure. up uh, with ten credited carries for 31 yards 27 coming on that one running right some of those probably sacks yeah yeah but uh, i don't know how many sacks they gave up but yeah you know they'll they'll uh, they're gonna run it you know that's what they're gonna do and and you're right i mean um it, it'll be a test of this front you know it's a mostly new front six i guess if you want to use that uh, since that's the you know formation that we play but those those safeties you know are big parts of your run defense too that's the whole thing with the five dbs is it's it's in a lot of ways done to stop the run even though it kind of runs you know contrary to what you think um and it's a lot of new guys and they did pretty well last week but obviously this will be a a whole lot stiffer test than what they faced last week baggies did pick up three sacks last week so hopefully that's something we can take advantage of obviously we had tremendous you know pass rush success last week so keep that going that's going to help a lot my concern defensively is the freshmen and the the new linebackers played well yeah but there were times in Danny Gonzalez's post-game interview he said there were times they made freshman mistakes and, and this is the sort of thing that I could see happening not anything dramatic but one Overcommitment on his own read, or something where mm-hmm. Merlin Robinson shoots one gap and then Lewerke's gone around the corner. Yeah, yeah. Well, what you know about this game and, and very likely the rest of the games is adversity is going to hit. 
You know, I mean, that sounds cliche, and in some ways it is, but it didn't really hit in the first game. We got out, we, you know, we were up 14 nothing in the first two minutes, and, and even though we went through a little bit of a lull there, you know, offensively, the game was never really in doubt. You know, we had the game in our hands from the jump. That's not going to be the case in, in better opponents. And, and so you know there's going to be a time where they, they put up, you know, back-to-back scores or they get you off the field defensively three and out two in a row. And, and so, you know, it'll be interesting to see. Last week everything was, was perfect. You know, everything went pretty smooth. A few mistakes here and there, but again, never really in doubt. There's going to be a point of this game where we're going to have to see how this staff, this team, handles when times aren't going smoothly and we'll see you know i mean we'll and we'll see over the next you know 11 games uh but this will be the first time that there'll be one there might be more than one uh, on saturday night where it's like eh, things aren't going well can we pull our way out of it and we'll find out the adversity that the team has generally avoided jj wilson obviously had to miss the first game for what appears to be disciplinary reasons, although I don't yeah. think anyone officially has said why exactly right. it happened. Right. Uh, he'll be back, but he's back just in time for uh, starting guard Stephen Miller to potentially be missing the game. Yeah, yeah. He's been out of practice a couple of times. The story, again, is uh, personal reasons, but right. not any specificity. It's hard to imagine that he would go a whole week without practice and still play, but right. he's been a starter for a couple years he's a veteran and he might be the best option even without practice Uh, yeah uh, yeah they're saying that Roy Helmsley is one of the possible replacements who's never started a college game the other one potentially could be Zach Robertson which wouldn't be that bad he's more of a big mauler type of yeah and and he's got some experience playing both guard and tackle uh, so yeah, I mean, there's, there's, uh, something there and, and, you know, that's, we talked about that in the preseason, you know, it seemed like, uh, we had, you know, maybe seven or eight linemen who could play based on what they were saying. And so this may be the time very early on, you got to put that to the test. Yeah. And that, that might have happened anyway, because the high tomorrow in Tempe, I believe is one of yeah. seven with kickoff yeah. temperatures <laughs> expected to be hovering around a hundred, even at seven forty-five. Yeah, yeah, it's it's going to be a your you know classic hot September night in in Tempe, um, and certainly you know I when we did our preseason picks uh, you know a couple weeks ago I I figured on that and I figured that's something that hopefully we can use to our advantage. Um, that hasn't always been the case. There have been some some hot games that we've been run off the field over the years. I'll never one I'll always remember is Oregon in two thousand six really hot day game on ABC and we were just blasted. Um, so it doesn't always work, but it, it could be an advantage for us tomorrow night, hopefully. With that, do you think now, In obviously in the preseason picks, this is the game yeah. we differed on. We're one it game is. in, the first game it went is. where we thought it would go. Michigan State, to me, looks worse than I thought they would, but that's one yeah. week in. Are you changing? I am not changing. I'm sticking I'm not with, changing. I'm sticking with a, a prediction of a Michigan State victory. I think that it's going to be uh, the Spartans jump out early and then hang on for dear life. And I'm okay. thinking that the score is going to be uh, something more in line with a team struggling with the heat versus a team struggling against a good defense. And I'm going to say 27 to 21 
yeah. Michigan State. And I don't okay. think we attempt a field goal again because apparently we don't do that. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll see. I, I, I would be surprised if we don't, but who knows. Um, but, yeah, I, uh, I, I mean, I picked him before the year, and I guess we've only seen one game of each team, which is very dangerous to read too much into. I, I'm not going to. But nothing I saw in those one games from each team makes me want to change my mind. Michigan State didn't look as good as I thought they might. And to be honest with you, ASU looked better than I thought they would. I thought they'd beat UTSA. But I, I was a little worried that there might be some struggles, that we might be you know, down at the half, that we might struggle defensively. Um, none of those things happened. And, and so I'm not changing. Uh, I think it will be tough. I, I kind of think it goes a little bit differently um, in, in the way the game. I think you know we could get out to a hot start and then there's going to come that point in the second half where they make a run and get within a possession. Um, the offense kind of starts to stagnate. The defense looks a little vulnerable. And can we can we pull ourselves out of it? Like I said, I'll be optimistic and say we do. Um, so I'll go. Uh, I'll go twenty-seven to twenty-four. ASU. Well, we both have it in the 20s. We both would be uh, taking the under on the over-under. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, I'm going off the notion that I feel like they will shorten the game with the way they run and the way they play defense. It's not going to be a game where you get, you know, 14 or 15 possessions each. That's not the way they play. Um, You know, so I, I think, you know, a little bit lower scoring. A game, and it wouldn't surprise me if it was even lower scoring than that. Maybe a game a la what we had against Washington last year. Maybe not 13, but, uh, you know, a game where the first 20 wins wouldn't wouldn't surprise me necessarily. We uh, noted, I noted on Twitter that uh, this could be a poor man's replacement for the Pick 6 podcast now that Doug Howard's <laughs> moved to the Athletic. Yeah, but the coverage that he's provided has not diminished at all. One of the stories that came out this week, I believe it came out yesterday, was about Manny Wilkins playing with four different offensive coordinators in four years. And you and I traded text messages about the fact that if the season ended today, or if Manny doesn't attempt to pass for the rest of the season, which hopefully does not happen, but yes, he would end as the all-time career leader at ASU for completion percentage, ending out. Taylor Kelly by a tenth of a point. Uh, yeah. Not Jake Plummer, not Danny White, not Andrew Walter. Right. Not even, you know, Rudy, who was very concerned right. about his right. completion percentage and his running yeah. stats. Um, I was taken aback by it. I had no idea he'd been that efficient. And I didn't know that either. Uh, yeah, I, I did not realize that. Um, now, of course, uh, you know, I, I think – we see this so many times now. It seems like more and more. I mean, I think the last three years in the NFL, a quarterback has set the single season record for completion percentage, and and you know, and so you're seeing it more and more. And there's there's an obvious reason for it, and it's and it's the short passes that did not used to be part of the game. I mean, even go back and watch the Rudy Carpenter teams, and that wasn't that long ago. There weren't many of those. You know, we didn't we didn't run a lot of uh, you know quick bubble screen type of passes. I mean, it. that's why Rudy got beat up because we didn't have very good offensive line and the pass plays we were calling, they were more down the field. And that's not even this, you know, go back to the seventies when, you know, you threw maybe 20 times a game, but every time you threw, it was down the field. 
there was there were no five yard routes back then. Um, and so, you know, times have changed, but nonetheless, still impressive that he has that mark. And, and it'd be cool if he could finish the year with that mark, because that should mean he had a pretty good season, hopefully. Overall, I think that his career has to be graded out as an incomplete and, uh, you know, but up till now, do you think that, you know, when we did our quarterback rankings, he ended sort of middle of the pack for both of us. Do you think that's an, an indictment of him or do you think that it's the fact that he's had four different offensive coordinators and yeah, three different head yeah, coaches and it's, all it's, kinds um, of changing things? Well, and, and I said then, and I, I still think this way, obviously being early in the year, that I felt like, you know, his, his position in my mind, maybe yours too, could swing one way or the other. With a really good year this year and, a, you know, let's say this team wins eight or nine games and he has a really good season, an all-conference type of season, you know, I think, I think we then all of a sudden – talk about him in the same breath as you know Taylor Kelly Rudy Carpenter Walter those were our pretty much consensus top three um with a poor year you know if things fall apart for this team and again we go three and nine uh he goes probably down the list you know um so I don't know yeah I mean I think certainly the changes certainly the injury in 2016 and that season falling apart the way it did uh, doesn't help him you know, because he got off to a pretty good start that year, 4-0, and, and it felt like things were going pretty well, and then they didn't finish that well. Last year was good and bad, um, some highlights and some not-so-highlights. Uh, so this year will really, it will go a long way toward defining how we remember him. Um, you know, if it's another six or seven win type of season, then he probably stays right about where we thought. But it could go up or down based on how this year goes and how it finishes. One guy who I think is going to fly up the personal rankings for his position group is Nikhil Harry. You know, Jalen Strong, for me, is borderline uncatchable at at the rankings. Yeah. My personal number one. Uh, We saw the tail end of Hagen's career. We did. We did. But for me, there was just no one, even Harry – who is quite like what I felt we were getting with Strong. True, true, yeah. Now, I, I will say, if Harry continues to play and produce the way he did in game one, and that's a high standard, I, I realize. If he has a year like that, um, to me, he could, he could, in my mind, you know, surpass what Jalen Strong did. But it's going to take a great year, and it's going to take a consistently great year. He's got to do it. Night, you know, game in and game out. You know, I mean, he can't he can't have three games where he catches you know one or two passes and twenty yards. That you know, it's got to happen pretty consistently and and dominant. Because yeah, Jalen Strong was great for us, and I think Jalen Strong. You know, we've we've discussed guys like James Harden crossing sports, where you know the pro success or lack of success kind of affects how we remember them a little bit. Jalen Strong's probably the opposite. His pro career was not what we expected it to be, starting right away when he fell in the draft, and then he just never really got on track. He got in some trouble. He got injured. And I think, you know, maybe over time we've forgotten a little bit how good he was, and that, you know, we shouldn't. Uh, I may be talking about myself more than you, but I do think I would say Nikhil Harry has a chance to, in my mind, go past him. I think he definitely has a chance to pass him, but 
I guess where I land and, and what I'm speaking to is more of the if I have a drive, those are the two guys who I want as my receivers from yeah. ASU. I would agree. And I think my third might be Chris McGahey just to have somebody to catch first downs. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, he was really good. I agree. Um, I would probably go Hagen, um, but taking McGahey, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, he was a very good player and, and very productive on – Honestly, some bad offenses. You know, well, I mean, he was there in you know, 17, but then after that, they weren't great. Well, and I'm not saying that I would take McGahey over Hagen if I was building from scratch, but I'm saying if I, I have you. those two as my two. I got you. Um, I understand. You know, Complimentary in, skill you, set type yeah, of thing. Unless you give me Zach Miller, in which case. Right. You know. I think, I think both of us would take Zach Miller as the top tight end from our time, and it's, God, there's not really a close second. Oh, um, for I mean, our time, there is not. It's, it's like it's Todd probably, Heap, Zach Miller, right, and, right, and then a it, lot of distance. Yeah, I mean, probably second would be Chris Coyle, right? I, I can't really think of, and he only had one good year, but I can't really think of anybody else that, that separates. Um, you know, guys, there's guys who had maybe one, one or two good games, but, you know, nothing really consistent at tight end besides Zach Miller. Yeah, and he was great, but... But I digress. The reason why I think I would take strong is if I was quarterback and had the skill to do it. If I was if I was controlling the video game quarterback, right? And I needed a first down, and both of them ran to the sticks. I would look at strong first because I felt like he, you know, taking nothing away from Harry, I I think that strong has just showed more in college of the. You know, awareness, body control, all of those things that apparently did not translate to the NFL. No, they did not. No, they, uh, well, and I think for, I don't think those things maybe did. And I think he, 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 uh, he had some disciplinary issues that I think were covered up here. I think, you know, they've never really come to light, but I think, you know, you hear enough whispers and reasons that he fell in the draft. And I, I think, um, and they compounded you know, I, it with Demarius Randall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think there were things that that were covered up because he was, you know, a star player, and that's it happens. But um, you know, I've heard I've heard whispers, just whispers. I can't validate them that he had more than one failed drug test that you know was just kind of swept under the rug. Um, and I think those things caught up to him in the NFL. But that doesn't affect what he did here. I mean, what he did here in two years, he was really, really good. It was just two years, right? The only mm-hmm. play, I think he, he was yeah. a sophomore and a junior. Um, and, you know, the thing is, it's always hard in college, especially sometimes in the pros. You know, a guy's been around long enough, 10, 12, 15 years, that you can say, well, no matter what they do from here, their legacy is kind of, their basement is secured. In college, you can't say that. If Nikhil Harry has a bust year, and I don't think he will, but he's only been here two years, and he had a great first game. If the rest of the season isn't very good for him, well, it's going to affect how we remember his career because he's only got three. So there's not enough there. I mean, unless somebody wins a Heisman or something like that, you know, there's not enough there in just one or two years to say, well, he's secure. What he does, same with Manny Wilkins. What they do from here, even though they've only got at max you know, 13 more games to play, very likely, Manny for sure, very likely for Nikhil. Um, you know, that's a lot when you're talking about a college legacy. So, you know, we'll see. They, they both could, could certainly add to their reps, and, and it would start tomorrow night, possibly. I mean, that's the type of game that if you play really well and you win, 
and you deliver in a big moment that can be a legacy definer. I mean, Jake Plummer is in large part a legend because of one season and really, you know, three or four games. Really, realistically, you know, the Nebraska game, the USC game, the Rose Bowl, those are the ones that jump out. And, and 96, without 96, Jake Plummer's career was average here. Uh, I mean, really, but the last year was magical. And does Manny have a chance to do that? Sure, why not? So same for Nikhil Harry. One of the things about Manny, to jump back to him, is you overlook the big wins he had. You, you do. Know, last you year, do. they knocked off the number five team in the country. He's been really Beat a ranked stuck. team in Oregon. Yeah. yeah. He's been yeah. solid in the rivalry. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he played well enough to win the game in Tucson in 2016, where the defense was horrendous. But offensively, we were, we were fine in that game. And then obviously, he played very well, especially in the second half last year. So it just puts, you know, to your point, a win like this. Yeah. And a little yeah. bit of magic, and he's, you know, leaped sure, into the sure. conversation I mean, of the top three, probably. He definitely does, and, and, a, and a real magical year would probably put him number one. I mean, let's, let's you know, let's dream big, because we'll want to know, and we can. Let's say this team goes, you know, 10-2 and two or 11-1 and one and wins the Pac-12. Well, all of a sudden, I mean, he's got more accomplishments then than Rudy and then Walter and then Kelly. Without a if, doubt. If they you know, win the tackle, I, I think that the line for him is he can't pass Kelly unless he accomplishes more than Kelly. Yeah, which would mean winning the conference. Yeah. I to, suppose. You I know, mean, to be the man, yeah. you have to beat the man. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Yeah, you know, and, and Kelly's best year, we, you know, finished with the best regular season record in the conference, got to the title game and, and got blown away, as we both remember. Um but, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, and again, I don't expect that. Uh, you know, I certainly am not coming out after beating UTSA and saying, well, uh, let's, you know, book those Rose Bowl plans here. Here we come to the Pac-12 championship. But if it happens, yeah, I mean, it, you know, he, he would he would have accomplished something that none of those guys did. Rudy won a share of a Pac-10 title in 07. Kelly, you know, like, like we said, got to the Pac-12 title game. Walter never never won even a share of a conference title. So, sure, why not? I mean, like I said, Jake Plummer's 93, 94, 95, they weren't that great. They were okay. Well, without 96, he's just kind of another face in the crowd. But 96 changed everything. Well, 2018 could do that for Manny, depending on how good things go. Looking around the rest of the slate, I, I would venture to you that the best game is Georgia at South Carolina. Should be a good one, yeah. South Carolina's got a lot of people believing in them, and they they had a year last year where they beat everybody they should and didn't beat anybody they shouldn't, and they ended up I think nine and four, and and you know there's a lot of people thinking they could they could be a sleeper team, and obviously this is the week to do it because if they beat Georgia, you know now you've got a you know basically an early two game lead on your theoretically biggest competition to win the East. Now there's a long way to go, but. They get this win, and yeah, they, they certainly have to be taken seriously the rest of the year. You know, South Carolina tends to always have these early SEC matches. They do. And they do, yeah, yeah. Most of them have not gone well for them. I was going to say, um, and that's usually been a problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, they, you know, back in the, in the day with uh, Rick and Spurrier, they seem to have George's number. Now, that has not been the case lately. Um, but you know, yeah, this will be interesting. They got a good quarterback, third year guy, you know, Jake Bentley, and 
Debo Samuel's back. He missed most of last year injured, but he's a heck of a receiver. They got a good defense. Uh, you know, it's it's not going to be easy for Georgia. But if they go in there and win, it's a heck of an early test to pass, and then and then things get a little easier for them till about midway through the year. I mean, this is this is by far their toughest test of the beginning part of the year. In the Pac-12, the marquee game, USC 1-0, traveling to 1-0 Stanford, a top-20 yeah. matchup. Um, this is the kind of game where KJ Costello's veteran leadership and the been-there-done-that of his career compared to a 17-year-old with one start and a victory makes me think that this is Stanford's game to lose. Yeah, I mean, you would certainly favor Stanford being at home, um, but it's going to be interesting. Yeah, I, I'm. Uh, I wish that game was in the afternoon because I'd, I'd like to watch some of it and see how JT Daniels looks. But it's starting at five thirty. I'll already be heading towards Sun Devil Stadium by that time. But I'm very curious to see how he does. You know, I think we talked about it the last time we talked. Next two weeks at Stanford at Texas, um, they're winnable games, but neither one's easy. You know, if they if they were to win both, you know, all of a sudden you start talking about you know a team that is probably in the top ten and and looking at a possible playoff. If they lose both, then you know, okay, can they rebound like they did a couple years ago and still make a run? They could. Um, yeah, we'll we'll learn a lot about him and the whole team, I guess, probably the next two weeks. If they open three and zero, the legend grows, and no one can generate and maintain a story the way the USC athletic department can. So I would imagine, I was going to say, I would imagine if he is successful, the first Heisman comment gets made on Pac-12 Network this week. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if he has a really good game, then it will, the buzz will start to pick up. Um, And, and I mean, you know, hey, we've talked over the years, the Pac-10, now the Pac-12 is always healthier when USC is good. Because it, it just, you know, the, the nation pays attention to USC uh, and it gives everybody somebody to shoot for. And I, so I hope he is. I mean, I, I am rooting for them, as I always do, pretty much, to do well. And, uh, you know, nothing against Stanford, but I would love it if they, you know, if they won this game. Because I think it'd be a shot in the arm. And if they went to Texas and won next week, it'd be even a, a bigger one. Um and, and then all of a sudden, yeah, I mean, you know, again, it'd be very early, but you start looking at a team that you could say, well, hey, could they make a run at the playoff? Maybe, yeah. I mean, if they could pass both of these tests on the road with a true freshman quarterback, why not? Well, and that defense is good. So if, it is. if the defense it is. can get everything, you know, through the first few games as he finds his footing, that, that you know, the sky's the limit sure. on that team. Sure, sure, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it will be interesting. Again, we're, we're, you know, I'm, I'm jumping ahead. They could easily be sitting at one and two ten days from now. Uh, wouldn't be surprising, you know, playing two, two games like that on the road. And then, then all of a sudden people will be saying, oh, this kid's in over his head and they shouldn't have started a freshman. And that's probably not true either. But, uh, yeah, it, it will be an interesting game. Obviously, early, early season conference game. And USC-Stanford, they've given us some real entertaining games the last few years, going back to the – you know, a couple of the games with Luck and Barkley, you know, the, the uh, Jim Harbaugh, Pete Carroll game, uh, you know, they've, they've had some good contests, so hopefully this one will live up to the billing. Do you have a prediction? I'd probably go Stanford at home. Um, USC really struggled, to, you know, against the run last week, so you'd think Bryce Love will have a big bounce back. Um, 
unless unless they you know can figure something out, take that away. But as we saw against San Diego State, you know Stanford's good enough that if you're going to give them the passing game, they'll take it. So I'd probably go with Stanford, but hesitantly. I'm going to go with Stanford too. My asterisk is the thing we talked about when we did our Pac-12 preview. Stanford is the most disciplined team in the conference, probably, but USC yeah. is the most talented team in the. I conference. would say so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it will be a, you know, obviously it will, you know, it'll be it'll be interesting to see who wins and then where things go from there. Um, you know, will if USC wins, they they kind of certainly establish themselves as the team to beat in the South, which they you know are guess already considered, but I think not by a wide margin. Um, if they win this game, they kind of you know move to the forefront, obviously. And and if Stanford wins, uh, you know, then maybe they're the team that can challenge Washington. I don't know when they play Washington, but um, that you know obviously will be a big one when that time comes. Yeah, you know, Washington's going to have to battle back after losing a, a tough yeah. game. Um, the, uh, you know, the Stanford-Washington game is not till November 3rd. November, yeah, yep. okay. Um, so late, yeah. And they got they got a road trip to Notre Dame before that. So they, you know, they got some tough ones, but obviously they have they also have the games that will allow them to put together a, a pretty good resume. I mean, if they if they could if they could get through at eleven and one. They'd obviously have a real good chance to make the playoff if they won the Pac-12 title game as well. Stanford's got the kind of schedule, really, that is built to make a run if you're good enough. Because they get a win in the opening week against San Diego State. They play a somewhat marquee game, but at home that they're favored in against USC. Right. Then they get the equivalent of a bye week against UC Davis before back-to-back at Oregon, at Notre Dame, and if yeah. they start five and zero, they're going to be a top five team in the country. Oh, they should be, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, if you could pull off three wins like that in that stretch—USC, Oregon, and, and Notre Dame—two of them being on the road—yeah, they they would certainly, you know. And even if they go four and one, you know, to start out, then it's it's still there for them with with games against Washington, Utah, uh, you know, and a potential Pac-12 title game. They'd have a shot. Yeah. So. You know, I'm not I'm not writing them off at all as a national title contender, even though no, I picked Washington. No. I, I think that this is a legitimate uh, shot that you know Washington would have sure. to on the table. But you know, the other thing is that game on November third could be for the Pac-12 North crown. Could be it for could be. the you know basically the only chance the conference has to get. Yeah, it very well could be. Yeah, yeah. I think. I mean, I think realistically. And someone could surprise, but realistically, if you're looking at playoff type of teams, you're looking at Stanford, Washington, and USC. Uh, you know, it's hard to see anybody else being able to do it, just because then you're working from behind. Uh, you know, and that's hard. I mean, you know, we've seen being a marquee program makes a difference. Starting the year unranked and getting into the top four is hard to do. You can do it, but you, you don't have much margin for error. They have a little bit more margin for error. We'll be back to talk about everything that happened, plus week one of the NFL, which got yep. underway in an ugly affair yeah. last night. Yeah. Um, the Super Bowl champs won, and Nick Foles earned himself half a million dollars. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is some great contract structuring by his agent. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, was, you know, it was a good deal for him, and if, if Wentz continues to miss time, 
And I read or heard today that, you know, there's some thought he could miss several more weeks before he's, he's ready to go. Yeah, he could strike at risk before the end of the year. And it's a great deal for the Eagles, too, because... It is, you, yeah. You know, yeah. sure, you'll pay him, but in terms of football-to-dollar ratio, a half a million dollars per victory, it's pretty good. Sure. Not too bad. Yeah, yeah, you'll do that. So, yeah, I mean, he wasn't great last night by any means. He looked more like the end of the regular season Nick Foles than the NFC title game and Super Bowl Nick Foles, but it was good enough. Uh, Matt Ryan looked really bad. Um and and his arm just looked bad. I don't I don't know. I, I'd be. He looked like he had a dead arm, which one should not have at, in week one. But it certainly looked that way watching him sometimes. Well, that the pass he threw uh, to Julio Jones that got intercepted yeah. inside the five. You know, had nothing on it. it that was um, that was equivalent to the post neck surgery Peyton Manning worst looking yeah. passes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it it looked. Uh, and some of his throws late, that one on the last drive to Julio over the middle, I mean, he completed it, but it looked like he had to put everything in it to get it there. And it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't a 50-yard bomb. Like, there were just times where I'm like, man, what, what's up? I, you know, I don't know. Maybe nothing's up, but he just didn't, he didn't look healthy by any means. He looked, he looked very shaky. We will be back to talk more NFL, to talk ASU Michigan State, and whatever else you know, comes across our radar. It might yes, be indeed. movie quotes. It might be That's baseball right. pennant chases. We're here for it, and we hope you'll be too, whoever the fake person I'm talking to is because <laughs> we don't have anybody who actually listens. Uh, certainly not all the way to the, to the no, line down not. at the end. But uh, until next time, he's Matt. I'm Ben. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. <laughs>